Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman, and we are here previewing spring football. Uh, Indiana spring football practice begins on March 4th. Today is March 2nd. Uh, Tom Allen had his uh, pre-spring preview tonight. We've had a lot of news this offseason, too, as well, TJ, uh, to get to before we dive into uh, position of previews, uh, position battles we're watching and uh, some other topics in, in spring. Uh, you know, it, it's been a, a very active offseason for IU. Um, we've talked about recruiting. Uh, we talked about the transfer portal. And what we haven't talked much about are the new coaches on staff. Uh, so we'll talk about that. And then we'll wrap up, uh, you know, with the, uh, with the spring game or a spring football event that they gave a little bit of details about today as well. Um, but, uh, TJ, what are your, uh, first of all, how are you doing? Second of all, uh, what are your feelings heading into spring practice? Certainly doing great. Excited to be talking about, uh, talking about IU football again. Um, heading into spring, I mean, I think we have to be honest about this. We, we don't really know anything about this team. Um, Yes, there are some returning pieces that that we have some knowledge of, uh, but even some of the returning pieces we have question marks over because of position coach changes for those guys. You know, returners on the offensive line, we don't really know what some of those players are going to look like under a new offensive line coach. Uh, returner in Jalen Lucas, he's going to be utilized in different ways this season. Uh, returners along the uh, wide receiver front, different position coach for them, and a different, uh, I, think a, I think it's fair to say, going to be some different utilizations for those guys as well. Uh, quarterback, I mean, total wild card. We, we don't know. Yep. So I, I think that we have just a lot of uncertainty. Now, there's reasons to be excited about a lot of these things. And, and I think that being fair, there's certainly reasons to be uh, concerned about some of the uh, some of the uncertainty as well. So I think that the biggest thing heading into the spring, we'll get into kind of what we want to see accomplished. But the biggest thing from a fan's perspective is let's kind of start to try to piece together the puzzle of what IU football has for this coming season, because it has been an off season full of change at almost everywhere outside of the head coach position. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you said it, um, 
you know, the, the feeling I have going into to spring practice, it's kind of like that nervous, excited feeling. It reminds me of the quote of a quote from Armageddon where they're, they're getting ready to launch at the space. And it's like, I I'm 98% excited and 2% scared, or am I 2% excited and 98% scared? Um, it's somewhere in between. Yeah. It's exciting because you've got a whole, you've got a lot of new faces. Uh, you're going to have a legitimate quarterback battle as well with young guys who, who should be around the program for, you know, at least a few years. You have Jalen Lucas coming back. Um, you know, you, you've made a couple, you know, really nice coaching hires with Bob Bostad, uh, with Anthony Tucker coming on as a wide receivers coach and, and co-OC uh, with, I, and I can't pronounce his last name. And as a New Yorker and somebody who has a lot of Italian friends, I feel ashamed of myself. But Coach Matt G, as he uh, introduced himself, is taking over the play calling uh, as co-defensive coordinator with Chad Wilt uh, on defense. And that's something to be excited about, too. When Indiana's teams were good under Tom Allen, it was with a different defensive play caller. Uh, as as well in 2019 and 2020. So a lot to look forward to and be excited about, but there is a lot to be nervous about too uh, because you, you go back and you look at the 2021 and 2022 seasons, you had a lot of veterans coming back. Uh, you had high expectations for 2021 coming off of the 2020 season. And, and Tom Allen flat out said, you know, the 2022 season will tell us which was – you know, more real 2020 when they went six and two or 2021 where they went two and 10, uh, they finished four and eight. So I, I would say it's somewhere in the middle, um, probably more towards the 2021 uh, side of things. But, um, you know, that that's gives you a little bit of hesitation, and a little bit of nerves going into the season. Uh, well, you don't really have a quarterback uh, with experience. Uh, you're opening the season against Ohio State. Uh, you know, you have three scholarship running backs, uh, and we've seen years where, heck, we've seen more guys go down the net. Uh, you have a wide receiver group who, uh, you know, loses Emory Simmons, uh, but brings in some junior, uh, some some transfers uh, who need to prove themselves uh, as well. You lose Cam Jones in the linebacking core. You lose a, you know, a lot of people in the secondary who are very productive uh, and things like that. So there's a plenty to be nervous about. I don't blame people for being nervous, but I also don't blame people for being excited because there is it's hope springs, you know, springs eternal. And it is that time of the year where th there's no wins and losses that, that you could see on TV in, in spring practice, but you go into it and you know, hopefully you let these position paddles play out. You, you could develop some of these young guys. And, and you're right. Start start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And, you know, when you break spring practice, uh, break spring camp on April 15th, you know, you don't need all the pieces together yet. But, you know, you hope that all the pieces are out of the box and, and nobody's missing. Uh, so it, it, it's a – it's an interesting time to be an IU football fan because you, you, you want to be optimistic, but there are also a lot of reasons why, you know, you, you need to be careful where you're stepping. And uh, th that's where I'm at. I, 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 I'm excited that football is back, uh, you know, at least for the next six weeks uh, before the summer, 
but th- there's a lot that I'm looking at that needs to happen uh, to to get into that. Hey, this is these are the predictions for the season um, and, and things that we need to do. So let's talk about the coaching changes mm-hmm. real real quick. Uh, I, I thought the the most important hire and, and the top hire they made was the offensive line coach Bob Bostad. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, TJ? Yeah, Bostad coming from Wisconsin. Um, obviously, anybody that's paid any attention to college football knows what kind of work uh, the Badgers have been able to do up front uh, over the years. And Bob Bostad was a part of that. Uh, he comes over as the offensive line coach and run game coordinator, replacing, I guess you can say, replacing Darren Hiller, uh, but you know, most recently replacing uh, the intern that they had last year. Now, I I think that what needs to really show here during the spring, and we're not going to know this yet, but what needs to be worked on is a meshing of what Bob Bostad is getting his offensive line to do and the strengths of this offensive line with what Walt Bell and now Anthony Tucker what they want to do with the offense. Um, Bob Bostead's job is to take the group that he has, which we've talked about several times. It's a group that based on recruiting rankings and based on physical profile should be better than how they have performed. And with that information, Bostad needs to take this offseason so far, plus this spring, to really hone in, okay, who are the guys that I can count on? Who's our five? And then after that, who's our five that we can put in if we need to? And what do they do best? And how can we make that, how can we maximize that? with the offense that Tucker and Bell want to run. That's that's what needs to happen during the spring. There needs to be a very clear understanding from Coach Bostad about who his personnel is and what they are best at and how to maximize it. Uh, and, and we have not seen that over the past few years. Now, um, I think it is fair to be skeptical of the personnel and say, well, we're mostly bringing back the same group of guys. Why should we think it's going to be better? That's a fair concern. Again, it's kind of these, you know, two sides of the coin thing. That's a fair concern. But then you have to be excited about the pedigree that Bob Bostad brings and have at least a sense that, hey, if anybody can get this group to perform, you would think that this would be the guy to hire to, to make it happen. Um, so obviously excited uh, to get to get that part going. We turn to, I guess we'll stay on offense, and Anthony Tucker uh, replacing the departed wide receivers coach, Coach Henry, that went to uh, Baltimore. Is that right? Uh, the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills, excuse me. So went to the NFL, uh, the Buffalo Bills. And Indiana replaces him with Anthony Tucker uh, coming to 
IU after a couple of years at Utah State and prior to that, uh, incredibly successful stint uh, working with running backs and a passing game coordinator for Central Florida uh, from, I think it was 2018 to 2020 with, with the Golden Knights and then the past two years with the Utah State Aggies. Everywhere that Coach Tucker has been, his offenses have produced pretty well. So this on paper, which is all we have to go off of, looks like a, a really interesting hire. Um, he did really well working with running backs. He's done really well working with wide receivers. They've produced at his positions and in offenses he's been involved with. Uh, and he did work with Walt Bell at Arkansas State and at Maryland back in the mid-2010s, uh, three years total working with Coach Bell. So there's the relationship there. Um, I think that they will be aligned in what they want to do. So I think it makes a whole lot of sense. And, and this late in the coaching cycle, if you will, I think it, it was a really good get uh, for Indiana to be able to, to get Anthony Tucker um, to, to Bloomington. And on defense, Coach Matt G, you mentioned him. Yeah, Matt uh, coming Guerrieri. over from Guerrieri, coming from most recently Ohio State, but uh, he was hired, interestingly, by Kevin Wilson to be the defensive coordinator for Tulsa. Uh, and before he really gets started with that job, Tom Allen poaches him to come to Bloomington. His previous experience that I think is applicable is with the Duke Blue Devils for four seasons as a co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach. Um, that part, I think, really stands out because I think it's a similar profile of player that you can get to Duke and to Indiana. Um, so I, I think that he has experience working with the caliber of player that he's going to be working with at Indiana. Um, and the most interesting part about this is Tom Allen is handing over defensive play calling duties to somebody else. Uh, yep. That was something that I think a lot of fans have hoped for is that Tom Allen would hand that back over so that he can get back to game managing and being more of the motivator CEO uh, that we saw be successful when uh, he had play calling duties given, um, it just didn't, he seemed to be a little bit overwhelmed with it last season and it did not work well. Now, um, not a guarantee that this was going to go great. Uh, and I, I do think that Chad Wilt maybe had some questions, but Tom Allen did say, you know, conversations were had prior to this hiring with Coach Wilt, and that everything's good on that front. So we have to take that at, at his word. Um, yeah. Overall, I think that these are compelling hires that, um, on paper, which again is all we have to go off of, made sense for Indiana from a recruiting standpoint, made sense from a uh, just conceptual standpoint with what they needed for their staff. And I think you can look at this and look at the staff as a whole and say, 
the group that they have right now is better suited for what Indiana needs than what the group they had entering last season was. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. It's, and, and we, I, yeah. We, we, we don't know. I mean, we're, we're, we're guessing here based on guys' previous resumes, but that's all we can do. And then try and figure out, okay, how do they fit in the current staff? How do they fit with their job responsibilities that they're going to be compared to the person doing those jobs before? And I, I think you have to feel like the guys they have now are a little better suited for the the college game. I, I just I don't look at losing a guy like Adam Henry uh, as some big loss. Not saying he's not a good coach. He, he I'm sure he is, but it did not seem to me like he was particularly invested in the recruiting side of things at the college level. Um, based on the results so far for wide receivers. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's... And then Darren Miller, enough said. Yeah. I, I mean, it goes back to, um, you know, Anthony Tucker's relationship with Watt Bell, too. They're best friends. If you watch that press conference, um, yeah, you know, it's like the, it's like a bromance. Um, and it yeah, hopefully it'll work and things like that, but they'll be on the same page. You won't have conflicting right. philosophies and things like that. Now they might have different uh, stylistic, uh, you know, differences. Some maybe a little bit of scheme differences, maybe different ideas. But they're not going to be. Um, they're just not going to be on different pages. They're going to be on the same page. This is what we want to do. This is what we have to do, and, and all that stuff. And they're going to listen to each other, uh, and, and things like that. Uh, Defensively, uh, we hit on it enough. I think Tom Allen giving up play calling it, that scene when the the hire was announced, um, and he was uh, and Guerrero was named co defensive coordinator. You knew Tom Allen was going to give up play calling. I think it's it was the right time to do it. I get why he took it yeah. back with Chad Wilton year one. Um, I just I understand somebody who wants to be in control and, and do things their way. I, I get it. I don't think it was the right move. And and hindsight is twenty twenty on that. But I think having Tom Allen be that CEO of the program to where he can, you know, go meet with individual players uh, and, and go over things that either went well or didn't go well, and that he has a pulse on the team and the program. I think that's going to be huge. Uh, you know, and he's Allen's going to be around for another season or two, at least if they're not, if they didn't get rid of him last year, uh, unless they go 0 and 12, I don't see them moving on because it's still 20 million at $20 million buyout. And if you're going to do, if you're going to pay 20 million and let him coach this season, just pay the 25 million last year. Um, so it, it, he's not going anywhere. So I think maybe if he's your voice of the program and the CEO of the program in the athletic department, he could go get you, you know, ask for things that they need, you know, Hey, we need a Mellencamp up, uh, upgrade, you know, let's try these NIL things and stuff like that. And I know some people shrug, well, you know, it's all, all excuses and, and things like that. Well, it's not an excuse. Uh, some of the times you need resources to win. 
it, it is like you're you're going into you know a, a job or a school and you're using a computer from 1993 you're obviously not going to perform as well even if you're as talented as somebody who has a computer from 2023 it's just it's not it, people don't want to work for your company if all your technology is from from 1991 if you have dial-up internet and all that stuff you could be smartest person in the world you ain't getting the job done um so you know, maybe that role helps out IU in 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 that pers- you know perspective too. But I also think that that there needs to be somebody inside the program who does that for Allen, who's hey, the head coach said we need this or we want to do this, um, and we need to schedule these games and those games. That somebody could pass that on to the AD without Allen having to put in, you know, the extra effort to do that uh, and take the extra time uh, to do that. So I, again, coaching hires were great. Let's get into uh, positional previous. Let's start off TJ with the, probably the biggest position that people are going to be watching. And I know the offensive line, um, it all depends on the offensive line, but the, the quarterback battle is going to be something that everybody has their eye on it in, in, in the spring and into fall camp, right up to, to game time. Uh, IU has three freshmen uh, coming in to spring practice. Dexter Williams, uh, he's not going to participate in spring practice after his leg injury, which is unfortunate because it really looked like IU had found an answer there at quarterback the last couple games against Michigan State, uh, Purdue, mm-hmm. and, and Ohio State. But you know, injuries happen. It, it just it stinks. It stinks for the for for the guy uh, and things like that. But you bring in um, Brandon Sorsby back. He played in a quarter against Penn State. Looked totally overwhelmed. But he, he was a freshman who is getting fourth string reps all year. Uh, you bring in true freshman Brock Lowry, who I know you love. TJ he led his uh, Ohio high school team to the uh, state championship was like the leading passer receiver and rusher in in the state championship game. And then finally the, the, the probably the biggest spotlight in that position is on Taven Jackson. It's Trace Jackson Davis's brother. He's coming in from Tennessee. He has played in three games in mop up duty. Um, He's probably on paper, the most talented of the bunch, but again, none of them have any real, any big experience edge over the other. Uh, and it's, I think it's going to be a battle throughout until fall camp, until somebody separates themselves. And that's what I personally, that's what I hope happens. I hope they don't go into a meeting on the first two weeks and go, Hey, this is our guy and and things like that. Cause I think that has not played out well for IU in the past. I think they did it with Michael Penix. Um, and they may have done that with Connor Basilek last year. And I just don't think you need to pigeonhole yourself into a quarterback this early in the process and that process might go into two or three games into the season. Uh, yeah. You open up with Ohio state and you'd like to have your, your number one starter, but let's be honest, that game is probably going to be a loss. And I would like to see a couple guys play against Ohio state. And, and then you get into some of the non-conference games and, you know, maybe by mid season, you have a guy, have a guy um, and, and, uh, it it has to be the guy who gives you the best chance to win. I don't think that happened last year. I think they stuck with Connor Basilak too long. Um, 
And then for whatever reason, after Jack Tuttle enters the portal, they stick Jack Tuttle in there uh, instead of going either with Dexter Williams or if you're if you believe in Brandon Swarsby, let him play uh, and get those reps. So what's your take on the quarterback position? Obviously, inexperience is the biggest issue heading into this season. Inexperience at quarterback. Um, there was a lot of talk about getting uh, a second transfer quarterback, one with experience. I suppose that after the spring, that could still happen, but I I, I doubt it. I think that guys would be surprising. Yeah, would be guys surprising. with experience. Guys with experience are going to want the starting job guaranteed, and I don't think I use yeah. one. I you don't do that unless you're bringing in like a stud, an absolute stud who you know is going to win the job. But even then, right. it, it's they're not going to be available. No, no, I, I I think that you're you're entering the season with. Three guys that are giant question marks. Now, what you hope to have happen, and I, I agree, you don't want to just settle on somebody and say, this is our guy, and until it's just proven beyond doubt that he's not, and then we'll switch. Uh, you don't want to do that. But what, what you hope happens is that all three of them play well in spring, but somebody plays great. Yep. Somebody just takes the job by the horns and makes it very clear to everybody on the team, I'm QB1. This is my team. That's, that's what you hope happens and that the decision gets made for you by somebody just being terrific during the spring. That's probably unrealistic given that these guys are all very young. It's unrealistic to think that somebody's just going to be amazing during the spring. But, you know, that's, that's what you're hoping for. Now, what you do want to make sure gets accomplished is that you feel comfortable that all three of them, one, understand the offense and you feel like you could put them into a game and they could operate the offense. And number two, that the offense can cater to all three of those players and their skill sets. Uh, The offense that Walt Bell wants to run did not make sense for Connor Basilak. At no point did it make sense. Now, Walt Bell adjusted and realized, okay, we've got to do, we, we can't run the ball. Our offensive line has shown that they're not capable of that. So we've got to chuck it, and we've we've got to have Connor Basilak take you know 50 dropbacks and chuck the ball all over the place, and hope that we can through volume put up good enough numbers to to get a win. That that's not what Wald Bell wants to do on offense, but that's what the personnel dictated at the start of the season. Now. That's a mistake by Indiana to put themselves in that position. Yep. However, this group personnel-wise, I think, does mesh much better with what Walt Bell wants to do. Brock Lowry can use his legs. 
uh, Thorsby can use his legs. They are not, you know, run first guys, but they can use their legs. Taven Jackson, same thing. Um, none of them are scramble first quarterbacks or even true, you know, playmakers outside the pocket with their legs. However, I think it is fair to say that all three of them are much more mobile than Basilak was or is. Uh, and all three of them are capable of making plays with their legs uh, if need be. And my my grandma down, was more mobile than Connor Basilak. Right. It's a low bar. It's a low bar. But yeah. I think you do have the ability with these three that all have a similar skill set in terms of their mobility to be able to have an offense that all three of them can run effectively and one that Walt Bell is comfortable catering around. Yeah, um, and you're not going to so have to switch it up too much. It's not like you're switching right, from Connor right. Basilak to Jack Tuttle, um, which is to why – Yeah, to Dexter, to Dexter Wheel. Even though I think Dexter Williams could run the Jack Tuttle offense, um, it was just – cold as hell in Michigan State and windy and snowy and you're not going to throw the ball and then against Purdue they they just ran it but yeah it, it's continuity on offense that if, if a guy goes down and it, given the last two years you could I, not endorsing betting the farm on it so if anybody does and loses their farm it's not on me uh, but you could bet you could bet the farm that a quarterback's going to miss a game for injury for IU in, in 2023. But th- instead of having half the playbook, now you can run the whole playbook or, you know, maybe three quarters of the playbook, depending on, on who you go to. That's what I want this spring is, is installation of the playbook, of the offense, and give these guys the necessary reps of, you know, e- even if you want to do it equally or some uh, split it up some percentages differently. But these guys have to get in these reps in these 15 practices before before summer ball, uh, to, to your point, TJ, to, to get it to where, hey, if Taven, let's say Taven Jackson starts, if Taven Jackson pulls a hammy, a hammy and needs to go out, uh, Brandon Sorsby can come in and you don't, you know, you don't really miss a beat. Maybe there's one or two plays. Yeah. Uh, because of arm strength, you don't you 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 can't run with Brandon Sorsby, but the offense does not change. Where in the last couple of years, you had to totally redo the offense, and that's it's just you have to make things simple, and it becomes easy to defend. It becomes, as IU fans like to say, predictable, uh, and things like that. But this, if you could run a similar offense to you know seventy five percent or higher capacity you're in decent shape. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the biggest things on offense are going to be that quarterback position and <laughs> getting those guys ready in the offense that you, you want to run with them. Uh, the wide receiver group, which has been, you know, overhauled here. And I, I like the talent that was brought in getting those guys comfortable with the quarterback and the quarterbacks comfortable with the wide receivers. And then number three, figuring out how exactly are we going to utilize Jalen Lucas? Yep. Uh, how are we going to maximize his unique skill set and make sure that we take this, this one weapon that we have that is better than 
most other schools have. I mean, if you're talking about just a dynamic, explosive player, Jalen Lucas is going to be better than most on the field at any given time in terms of explosion, in terms of speed, in terms of his ability to take the ball any point, anywhere on the field and turn it into six. Yep. And you have got to maximize that weapon. So taking the spring to figure out how exactly you're going to do that, those are the three biggest things on offense for me. Uh, and overarching over all that is Bob Bostad and that offensive line getting to a level of adequacy uh, that, you know, we've beaten this to, to absolute pulp getting to a level of adequacy so that the offense can function at a good level. Um, You know, and that we're we're just not going to know that until the season begins, but I do have confidence it is going to be improved. Uh, The question is going to be, is it improved enough to take significant strides? Only time is going to tell. Yeah, the offensive line, and it'll be hard to tell in the spring just because right. that's the nature of spring practice. It's really, really hard to, one, just gauge how physical they're going to be in a spring game. Two, you don't really want – you don't really know because it's against your own guys. Um, yeah. You know, I want them to be as physical as possible uh, and, you know, stay within the rules and, th- and things like that. Uh, but you also don't – you just don't know because you don't know what co- kind of competition you're going up against on, on IU's defense yet. But let, let's circle back to Jalen Lucas, and it's a good transition to special teams. Um, Jalen Lucas, on the offensive side of the ball, you got to find – like you said, got to find him, uh, find a way to get him the ball. And defenses are going to know that they're going to look for him to get the ball. So maybe he draws a double team and gets some other people open. There's a lot of things you could do with him. You could use him as a decoy. You could put him in motion. You could use him on jet sweeps. Um, you could use him out of the backfield uh, and, and things like that. Hopefully he becomes a player kind of like Shane Wynn, uh, where, where how they use Shane Wynn. I didn't think they used Wap Fillier as much as they did with Wynn and those reverses and things like that. But you got to find him a way. And then on special teams, uh, Tom Allen said today that they might put him at part returner. And I know Alex Compton, one of our writers, is probably cringing right now. Um, don't put guys at part returner because of injury. But I don't know if teams are going to kick it to him on on kickoffs. I think it's so easy to kick away from a guy nowadays that, yeah, you might kick it out of bounds. But you're giving the ball to IU on the 35 and not letting Jalen Lucas get it, take it to the house or across midfield. You take your chances. Uh, you know, we, we saw IU try to get creative against Purdue in, in the return game with the across the field pass that did not end up well. But I think to, to almost guarantee, and it's a lot harder in punting to be directional and, um, and keep it away from guys uh, unless you're an absolute stud punter. Uh, you might give him more chances to to be that punt returner and, and things like that. But you, you use him as much as you can wherever you can and you get him the ball uh, because he's that kind of talent. People wanted him in the offseason. Uh, you kept him, and uh, you, know, you got to get him the ball. Other special teams-wise, you, you have uh, a new kicker in, in uh, Nicholas Radicic. 
he's coming in as a freshman top five kicker recruit as well. Uh, there is a kickoff field goal punter. Alejandro Quintero came in last year as a walk-on. He's a junior college guy too. He's kind of a wild card for me. Chris Freeman didn't impress me as a kickoff guy. I think this is a chance for Quintero to uh, step up into that role and, uh, and and be IU's kickoff guy. It would be nice if IU had a you know a, a three-tool player like that who you could bring on road trips when your roster is limited and things like that. A guy who, you know, if your punter gets hurt, and, and we've seen it, we saw – forgot who the punter was under Wilson, but he broke his leg. It might have been Eric Toth. Um, or Mitchell Voss, one of those guys, you know, got hit on a on a punt rush and, and like, broke his leg. Or, you know, a, a kicker gets hurt or pulls him out. We've seen that in, in the NFL. But to have a three-tool guy who could go out and do kickoffs and punt and field goal, it's a, a nice tool to have. That means you could bring, you know, two other guys uh, for depth. Uh, at, at other positions. And then, you know, James Evans, what, what can you say about James Evans at par? He just keeps putting him in the tw- down inside the 20. Um, y- you'd like to see him uh, not get punts blocked. I, I think that was an issue. He's had three punts blocked in the last two seasons. He's got to work on that. But for only his second year of football, he was outstanding last year. And special teams for IU, outstanding. I think they did more good than bad. Um, they had some explosive plays in Jalen Lucas. They also had some negative explosive plays like a pump block against Nebraska and some block field goals and things like that. But if they, they shore that up, they'll be fine on special teams. And I, I think it could be one of those uh, game-changing phases of the game, which you need to have at IU. Let's switch over the defense, uh, TJ, unless you have anything else to add about special teams. No, no, I, I'm defensively. Gosh, what what is going to happen in the secondary? I mean, you talk about a complete and total uh, just changing of the guard in but is the defensive that bad? secondary. Like, is that? A and bad no, that's thing? what I'm saying. No, I I was going to get to. I think that the group of players that Indiana will have just from a pure physical talent standpoint, I'm very confident saying the group of players I used going to have in the secondary this coming season is more talented than the group that left. Um, the, the one player that I think you would have really liked to keep is Chris keys. Yep. Um, but you know, he, he's, he left, so we're not going to talk about that anymore. Uh, but, I mean, the number of returners, Noah Pierre stands out as a, a huge guy that, that decided to come back for a final season. I really like watching Pierre play. I think that he is very likely the, the starter at the Husky position. After that, I think it's all up for grabs. Um, I I could see Josh Sanguinetti being a starting starter at safety, I suppose, uh, but I I don't think anything else is decided. Um, Philip Dunham, I think, could certainly establish himself 
or himself as a, a guy um, that starts at, at safety. Uh, all the newcomers that are in for spring, I mean, Amari Farrell, uh, Jameer Johnson, Nick Toomer, Kobe Miner, Tyrick McDaniel, Jamison Kelly. What what are we gonna get from these guys? I, I, I don't think the coaching staff quite knows, but I am sure that they are excited to start to piece together what they have in the secondary. Uh, it, it's going to be a very talented group, but it's anybody's guess as to who takes the field kind of in the, the too deep for the secondary. Cause you can say, okay, who's going to start, but a lot of guys are going to play. They're going to have to rotate a lot. So who's in that too deep in the secondary. And I, I don't think anybody really has a clue. Um, so the spring is going to be crucial for these guys to establish themselves as, Hey, I deserve to be part of that group. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, it's, it's a bold prediction when you're losing guys like Tywin Mullen and, and um, Jalen Williams, guys who played a lot of football and monster Matthews and, and guys like that. But the last two years, they haven't played well. And no, you you saw it against Cincinnati (laughs) against not now it was Philip Dunham got burned against Nebraska and things like that. But you saw it. you, You saw it all too often last year that your, your senior veteran guys, just there were miscommunications. They, they weren't in the right position where you would think that Tywin Mullen would be a multiple year All-American, um, that you would think Jalen Williams would be a, a multiple year All-Big Ten, you know, first team corner, that you wouldn't have to worry about those positions. But that that's where the frustration comes in too. And, and everybody talks about the offensive line and, and the quarterback and, and things like that. But the defensive secondary was a major issue the last two years. Um, I do like getting to know up here back. Josh Sanguinetti is returning too. He was in the transfer portal. He came back. I think he I think he might be the only other one that you start that that might have a starting position locked up. He could start at, at, at safety. Um, but you're right. All these other guys, they, they're hungry to prove themselves, I think. Um and I mean, Lewis Moore had a, a decent season last year coming on late. Uh, and then you'll have a couple more freshmen. Jordan Shaw was in the, that All-American Bowl. That was a great pickup. They flipped him from Colorado. Um, there are yeah. some young guys and you're going to have to deal with some growing pains. But throw these guys to the fire. Let them see what you got. Yep. You might give up 500 yards passing to Ohio State. But you might do that anyway with a veteran group. Um so the secondary is going to be interesting to me. Uh, my biggest area of concern it's it's the front seven. Uh, I I think losing Cam Jones uh, to the NFL wherever he might go is it, huge. When he got injured, that defense changed so much, uh, and I don't think he was a hundred percent after the Illinois game. I think that in, injury against Illinois really really changed how how he played. Um, and not because of his, his effort wasn't phenomenal. It was because he was hampered by an injury. Uh, but you get Aaron Casey back at linebacker, which is nice. You get Jacob uh, Magnum Ferrara from, from uh, Stanford coming in. That's another one. Jared Casey hopefully could stay healthy this year. I, I think um, 
you know, an under the radar guy, Joshua Rudolph. He's played a lot of football at Austin Peay's played against some power five guys yeah. and put up some numbers and things like that. And while he might be undersized, so what the guy's got some speed and he can hit people. Um, you know, you, you don't always need the, the six, two, 240 pound linebacker, give somebody who's five eleven, you know, two thirty a shot. And, and maybe they could, uh, you know, run around some blocks and make some plays. The young guys, the redshirt freshmen, uh, Isaiah Jones and Caden Turner got thrown to the Wolves last year. I thought Caden Turner showed a lot of promise. This is a big spring for him. I think it's a big spring for Isaiah Jones as well. Those guys are the next generation uh, of linebackers at IU. So while they might not start, uh, I believe Casey and, and maybe uh, Aaron Casey, that is, and maybe somebody else starts at that linebacker position. Then defensive line, I think, is a little thin. Um, they might have gotten a talent infusion a, a little bit, but uh, today Tom Allen announced that Bo Robbins is uh, hanging up his cleats. He's graduated. He's gotten his degree. Uh, so we wish Bo luck. But his was a career that just never got going at IU. He came up with a couple big plays last year and it looked like he was finally putting it all together. Um, but it just never materialized into his four-star ranking. Uh, and then uh, also Cooper Jones is switching from the defensive line to the offensive line. Uh, but it, Indiana brings in, I thought the transfer portal was good to them. Andre Carter is going to be a defensive end. I think he was the, uh, you know, he he's your prize get out of the transfer portal on defense. Yeah. Um, you get Philip Liddy uh, coming in as well. Uh, Marcus Burris, another defensive tackle. And then you have young guys like Nick James, Vincent Sneed. And then you have the two transfers from last year who came on late in Ladarius Cox and, and Patrick Lucas. You need somebody else to step up. I think J.H. Tevis is back as well, uh, according to the Peaks roster. IU has not updated the roster board yet, so I am going off of um, the work of Matt Weaver. So thank you, Matt Weaver, uh, for it. But um, defensive line worries me. What's your take on the defensive line? Well, I, I know the staff thinks Vincent Sneed is going to be pretty good um, in time, whether or not he's ready to do that now. We'll see. I think it's an important spring for him uh, to to establish himself as a guy that the staff can can rely on in a rotation. That yeah, it it is a little thin. I, I do I like the top end of the group better than what they had last year, uh, but I think that it, it is a, a thin group that could use an addition or two uh, post spring football. That would not shock me. Um, if kind of that final transfer portal, uh, you know, merry-go-round ends with Indiana picking up another uh, defensive lineman or two to add to the roster with the, uh, the loss of, uh, of Bo Robbins particularly. So yep. I, I think that of the transfers that they brought in, Andre Carter, it'd be shocking if he didn't start. Um and be a, a pretty good force for the Hoosiers. I, I think you could probably say that Blitty, Burris, and Carr will all be in the rotation right away as well. Uh, 
still looking for that, you know, pass rusher that causes another offense to worry. And I don't know if Indiana has that on the roster. If they don't, then you're kind of using the spring to figure out from, again, new defensive play caller, how can we manufacture pressure uh, without exposing ourselves too much in coverage? That's, That's what needs to be figured out this spring is who can you rely on on that defensive line, both in run and pass uh, situations, and then how can you manufacture pressure without exposing a young secondary? So uh, it's a very interesting group. Uh, Again, I think they're more talented at the top end than they have been uh, with those four transfer portal additions. Um, And I I like the incoming class as well, but uh, it is going to be kind of a a thin group depth-wise that, is going to have to avoid getting hurt, particularly in the middle of the defense. Um, the middle being, you know, Patrick Lucas, uh, Tevis, um, and then I, I think that Andre Carter can slide in and play a little bit for you in the middle as well. Marcus Burris can too. Blitty is almost 300. He can as well. Um, but you're going to need to make sure that those guys stay healthy. Um, yeah. And any significant depth losses there to the guys like Cox or Lucas or Tevis, that, that's going to really start to show up quickly if you start losing bodies there. So um, that's the biggest concern on the defense is the inexperience of the secondary, uh, finding linebackers that you can rely on after Aaron Casey, which I'm less worried about linebacker. I think the Casey is really good. And I, I like the other guys that, that can play next to him. Um, I like the talent of the secondary. I think depth of the defensive line is the biggest issue for me. Uh, so hopefully that's something they can develop some guys that are still on the roster and then maybe find another one or two after the spring if they determine they need that. But uh, it's a group with the, with the new play caller. He needs to get comfortable uh, with these guys and understand exactly who can do what. And again, maximize the strengths of this position group. And I really want to see more creativity on the defensive side of the ball, figuring out ways to get to the quarterback uh, and make life uncomfortable for opposing offenses. That hasn't happened the past two years. And I hope we get back to that. Um, in some capacity, because I think it helps so much when you can get those negative plays once every couple of, of possessions for the offense, get a negative play, make them uncomfortable, force them into mistakes. It, it makes such a huge difference for your football team if you can do that. Uh, Indiana's got to figure out a way to get that done in 2023. So hopefully – uh, the new defensive play caller is able to, to figure that out. But um, overall, I, I think, again, as we've highlighted throughout this podcast, reasons for optimism, reasons for pessimism. And this spring, Indiana has to find an answer to a lot of these questions. So they can go into fall camp, not trying to figure out the roster, but honing in on how can we be the best football team that we can be to get back to bowl eligibility. 
this sprint needs to be figuring out who do we have, how do we line them up, who's in our two deep, who's in our, you know, our third team, who can we rely on, and then from there, start to figure out how do we maximize their skill sets. That's what this spring is for for the Hoosiers uh, and this, this retooled coaching staff and retooled roster uh, is finding that out. And Tom Allen said that they've had more individual work this offseason with guys that are hungry to, to stop the losing um, than they have previously. That's promising, uh, but I think everybody would agree we've got to see it on the field. Yep. And the spring is our first chance to do that. So an exciting time for sure. I know we're all ready to, to get it going. And Hoosier Huddle is going to have a lot of coverage uh, as much as as much as the IU staff allows us to, you know, as much as we are allowed to see um, and allowed to uh, to be a part of, and I say we as in the media, uh, Matt Weaver and, and all the other guys that, that cover Indiana football, um, I hope that IU and Tom Allen allows some access to get fans excited about this team. Uh, yep. And I think they will. We could answer until we get into it, but it seems like it is going to be the case. Yeah. It, it seems like that uh, Tom Allen did have, and I want to end it on this TJ Tom Allen did have an update about the spring event today. Uh, he was asked yeah. about the fan deal on April 15th. Uh, he said that, It'll be the last practice of spring ball, and they're still working out the details of how it will look, but the plan is to engage with the fans and have a modified scrimmage on the field. He said it will not be a true spring game because that is something they have gone away from, but there will be some game-like situations that they will do in a scrimmage format, but he said the most important, it is most important for the players and the coaches to meet and visit with fans. So I think you're going to get a little bit of the best of both worlds, where it's kind of like Hoosier hysteria, you get some game situations, you get some work in, you get the fans to see, you reward those loyal fans who come out to the spring game or the spring football event, whatever we're calling it. They get to see, you know, a, a little bit of what's going on. So you're not going in blind to, to the summer and to fall camp, which is great. You get to see Taven and the quarterbacks throw, um, Hopefully you get to see some, you know, maybe some goal line situations where you could see the offensive line against the defensive line uh, and, and things like that. And I, I just want them to have fun too. Cause you know, I think the, we, we lost focus on hey, football's fun. Um, and, and I know that's kind of a Mickey Mouse thing to say, but if you're going to play a sport that is as difficult as football, you have to enjoy it. And the joy got sucked out of the football for the last two seasons. So this is the chance. Let the players have some fun. Put them in, you know, as long as it's safe and you're not, you know, doing, you know, whatever knee knee busters and things like that, you you make it to where as long as people aren't getting injured, do your do your drills. Come up with some fun drills that let people show off their skills as well and I, I think that you know as long as the weather holds hopefully it does it's indiana it might not um but it should be a a, a good event it will have tailgate it'll be family friendly they'll have enough football on the field for those football fans who are there to watch the team to appease them as well 
And then as, as we talked at Matt a couple weeks ago, getting the fans on the field and interacting with them uh, and the players is huge. That's how you build a fan base. That's how you get people to donate for football uh, and, and invest in football and not just monetarily, but emotionally too. Um, and I think you, you've seen that payoff, especially in women's basketball this year, where you're invested in that team. You're invested in the players. You, you got to know Grace Berger for four or five years. You got to know Mackenzie Holmes the last couple of years. Um, you know, Chloe Moore McNeil, like you're in bed, you care. That's how you do it. And they've done a lot of meet and greets. They meet fans on the, on the court after the game and stuff like that. So take a page out of, um, out of the playbook from women's basketball and do it in the spring game and, and things like that. So that it's a time to, this is the time to do it. And, and I think this will appease everybody or at least try to please everybody. Cause I know it's impossible to please everybody all the time, but at least give you, um, you know, what that appetite for football, for the, the diehard football fan and also the casual fan who's bringing their kids down. So as always, we'll have all our um, previews up. We, we've started rolling them out as well. Uh, we have a couple more left to go. We'll have practice updates. Um, we'll have pro day updates. I know Cam Jones is going in the combine this week as well. So keep coming back to HoosierHuddle.com. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Follow us on Instagram as well at Hoosier underscore Huddle. And uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, where you'll find roundtables, postgame, um, after the dust settles and things like that, and our podcast. So, TJ, thanks again for joining on, um, and, and uh, we'll talk soon right after spring practice. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. All right, that does it for the Hoosier Huddle podcast. This evening, Indiana opens up spring practice on March 4th. Uh, they conclude spring practice on April 15th with a spring football event being held down in Bloomington. Uh, details to come on that, so keep it tuned into HoosierHuddle.com uh, as those details arise. Thank you, and uh, you know, enjoy March. It's a, a lot of uh, a lot of IU basketball coming up in the next couple weeks. <laughs>